Thank you for listening to Tapping Into the Human, a podcast on addiction, recovery, and mental health, brought to you by the Albertus Project. By tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health, we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support. Every week, you'll hear powerful stories from people about their journey with recovery and be inspired by individuals and organizations that are leading the charge in decreasing the stigma surrounding mental health and addiction. Hey, all. Welcome to the next episode of Tapping Into the Human. Uh, very excited today to welcome Dr. Vera Tarman, who has uh, been reaching out to the medical and addiction communities through various workshops and her speaking engagements. She speaks on the topics of the science behind food addiction and why we use food for comfort. She has educated thousands of people across the world, and we hope having her on today helps to educate myself and the rest of you listening. So Dr. Tarman, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for asking. That's great. I'm, so I'm, pr- I'm prepared to talk about food addiction or just general addiction. Perfect. It, and that was, that was actually going to be my first question. So obviously it was going on your website. Um, and as I'm new to learning about addiction, the, the past however many months I've really been on this sort of learning journey, I haven't even thought about food addiction. And I don't, I don't fully know what that means. Can you explain to me and sort of the rest of the listeners what really is food addiction? Um, okay, Let, can, if I can just back up a little and give some context, like the reason why you don't know very much about food addiction. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm an addictions physician, and I've been in the field now for uh, since, since I, I guess the 1990s, something like that. And my focus was uh, mainly alcohol and cocaine, because that's the, the sort of people that were seeking treatment. Right. And then in the last in the last uh, five years, uh, I mean, it's it, we've been inundated by the whole opiate crisis. And so now if you say addiction medicine, people will think opiates. Uh, of course, there's marijuana too, and, and, and cigarettes, but um, those are the sort of three big ones. But the, the idea about food addiction uh, is has been um, kind of relegated to the sort of humorous, yeah, I'm addicted to chocolates, ha ha ha. Um, And uh, it it hasn't received the same, certainly not the notoriety of uh, opiate addiction, because there are, you know, young people like you are dying, um, like, like just in, 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 a volume that we've never ever seen before of people dying from addiction. I, I, you know, cocaine and, and alcohol will kill people, but usually when they're older and, uh, uh, you know, we, we sort of expect it on some level. But food addiction, uh, actually, the number is there's far more people who die of food addiction than of alcohol, cocaine, or opiates, really? or even well maybe equivalent to cigarettes wow. it's just we don't call it we don't call it food addiction we call it diabetes mm. we call it high blood pressure we call it obesity mm. uh, but if you look at the uh, what are the uh, predictors of those things like um, uh, whatever it is that makes you diabetic or obese or have high blood pressure likely is the food that you're eating and that is almost always sugar so I mean, you know, when I say food addiction, I primarily mean sugar or processed food addiction. And um, those, uh, we don't call, we we just don't name it. It's like the giraffe in the room that, or the elephant in the room that we don't, we don't call it that. We call it something else. Um, But if we were to call it that, uh, because there's research to show, um, like historical research, uh, sort of demographic research that shows that diabetes did not exist to the extent that it does today your generation it's like one in 10 people uh, or or maybe 15 people in my generation and previous it was one in a hundred like there, there's a wow. huge spike and it's because of the spike of food so food is the uh uh, uh and, and you know people know i shouldn't be eating this stuff but they can't help it right so it, it's that piece there that that we're not calling it addiction but it is and we have to stop laughing about it um so here i am um 
on the campaign. Like I'm happy that you're asking me to speak because I'm willing to speak to whoever will listen to, to mainly say, this is a valid condition and you will die of this addiction. It's just, it'll take a long time. It won't mm. be tomorrow because of it's an like overtime. It, yeah, and it'll be over time and we'll call it something different. We'll call it a mental health, depression, a suicide. We'll call it, a, a, you know, a, a, you know, diabetes or heart attack or stroke. But those, yes, we all have to die of something, but we don't need to be uh, dying or sick in our 50s and 60s. And that's because of the food. And because everybody knows they shouldn't be eating it, it's because of the addiction. So mm. that's, that's no, my long Well concept. said. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's really interesting. And so how did you get into this sort of specialty? This is what you specialize in now yeah. from what I see. What made you decide it was just the fact that it's not really talked about, it's even more stigmatized than other addictions? Like what made you get into this specific field? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it's more stigmatized, it's just dismissed. That's that's mm. the killer, you know, like the, the worst thing to do to somebody is not to despise them, it's to not even notice that they're there. And, and yeah. that's what we're pissed off about. But, but my, my personal experience, I mean, my, my professional experience is that I, I, as an addictions physician, saw people coming into treatment, young people, old people, doesn't matter, they put down their drug, uh, whether alcohol, cocaine, opiates, whatever it was, and what did they do? They started eating. And they would say to me often, I don't know why I'm eating so much. I'm eating 10 chocolate bars a day. I'm eating all the donuts. I'm eating the, the boxes of uh, chips that are come out at night in, in treatment. I never used to do that. And, and, and then I saw that there was this transfer of addiction because we basically say in the addiction world, it's all about the dopamine in the brain. It's, and, and these substances are just uh, doorways. Um, gateways into that that uh, sort of uh, addiction pathway and, and the whole dynamic of that. And so I saw that on a repetitive basis in my in my work. And I just kept thinking, you're okay, you're clean, you're walking out of the treatment center, you're not using your cocaine anymore. However, you're eating now. And soon enough, you're going to want to go on a diet because you don't want to gain that weight. Um, and people would laugh and say the Jenny crack diet, you know, mm. <laughs> went back to their drug because they didn't want to gain the weight. They didn't see that it was the addiction to the sugar. Um, I, I, I also have my own personal story in that I, like so many other young women in their 20s, was worried about my weight and basically tried to control it by um, restricting, starving. Uh, you know, the fancy word that for that today is intermittent fasting, by the way. Um, and for anybody here who uh, is listening that is interested in that, don't use intermittent fasting as a form of weight control because... It, although it has many health benefits, that's not one of them. And and what happens is people develop an eating disorder, which is they they fast and then they or restrict and then they end up binging. And and uh, if if there isn't an awareness of it's the food, it's not the amount of food. Um, mm. Then uh, you're uh, the specific type of food. Then uh, then you're going to get into trouble. And that's what happened to me. So I saw that, and then once I saw that and figured out. It's the food that's causing this problem. Uh, um, and if I just basically treat it as an addiction, then um, I will uh, uh, be better. And that's in fact what happened with me and then with the, all the people that I see who do this, they, they get better. So they actually can lose weight and keep it off and, and whatnot. Yeah, no, now, that's, sorry, go ahead. Can I, 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 I'm going on a, a, a lot here, but can, can I give sort of the definition of food addiction? Because that is a question please. that you asked me in the beginning, and yeah. I'm really close to info at first ahead of time. But the, the definition of addiction, so anybody who's listening, wondering, uh, and, if, and if, you, if you think about food, how can you be addicted to food? You might be more willing to hear the idea of sugar addiction. So basically, it's just um, 
uh, th there's different parameters or criteria for addiction and and it will work for cigarettes it'll work for drinking if you're if you're worried about your drinking your cocaine use or your uh, um, occasional percocet use like whatever it is that you're doing are you finding that you're and including food are you finding that you're um, focused on it a little bit too much in the day like mental real estate is is all around I can't wait till I get home and then I can crack open that bottle of wine and relax or break open the uh, the box of cookies or the, the takeout and you know close the doors and I'm I'm finally relaxed and that focus on that as as a sort of means of comfort that's a first thing um, and then the uh, second thing it, it's chronic and it's progressive it would be nice if, if you know just a few cookies or a drink at night would do the trick but it never does it only works for a while and then you need two and three and four. And if you find that that process is happening, we actually call that tolerance. You're becoming tolerant to the mm. effect. And now you need a couple more or three more or four right. more just to feel like that little, little bit of boost. And then once that starts happening, problems emerge. You're starting to gain weight or you're starting to, uh, um, uh, uh, if it's drinking, you know, call in sick the next day, things are starting to happen around you that are what we call impairment. So are you starting to fantasize or focus on it too much? Are you starting to get impairments? Are you needing more? And then finally say, I got to stop because I've gained 10, you know, I'm now 200 pounds and I want to stop. Uh, and you can't stop because now how do I live that night without my tub of haagen that I've had every, every other night? Exactly. Or, or, or what a chocolate bar to get through the day. And, th and that's actually the fear of withdrawal, which is a withdrawal. People say there's no withdrawal. Mm, sure there is. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the last thing I'll, I'll just end with this is that uh, so we have all those criteria. And then the last one is this thing we call denial, which is it's not that bad. Uh, you know, I, I can manage. I'm just going to have the rest of the cookies and I'll start tomorrow or I'll start on New Year's Eve. It's really not that bad. You're going to find that you're going to be doing that forever. It, it's, it's a sort of delusional piece that's attached to addiction. And if you can fulfill all those criteria, you can say I'm getting close to being or worried about being a food addict, sugar addict. Interesting. No, I, I appreciate you sort of guiding me through that process. So question for you, what is the typical treatment for sugar or food addiction? I mean, I've been doing a ton of research on, you know, AA and NA and other smart recovery uh, yeah. women's for sobriety. Yeah, I don't know if those would be good mechanisms for people who are dealing with like a sugar addiction. What is the typical treatment? No, it, it, they absolutely are. So first of all, you might have to decide, am I just a quote recreational user? It, it's like the person who can have a few cigarettes mm -hmm. and they're not stuck all the time. And so, you know, if you can just cut down, so if you can just cut down, then you don't need any of that other stuff. And in, in the 12 step world, we call this step one. Do I, do I actually see that I'm powerless over this or can I manage a few? Right. You realize, no, I can't and I am powerless, then then the ultimate solution then will, well, it's going to be one of two. Am I going to do a harm reduction approach, which is just try to moderate, mm -hmm. just have a few every once in a while. But I'm going to tell you, the problem with the harm reduction approach is you're cutting down, but you're just going to want, even though you're not having, you're still aware that there's a bit more ice cream in the, in the, in the freezer. And that's the focus. You might not be eating it, but it's still robbing you of peace of mind. Mm. Um, so the, the best solution, if you can do it, is to say, this is a triggering substance. Yes, it is. Sugar is. I'm going to not eat it anymore. Throw it out of the house. And uh, then the next step is you're going to feel deprived and depressed and anxious, all the withdrawal piece. And the whole point about uh, the 12-step programs, of which, yes, there is one for, um, um, there's actually 10 of them for food. because Really? 
Yeah, there's the initial one. I want to do a whole bunch of research on that because I was going to say, it's interesting you mentioned that because I don't think, unless correct me if I'm wrong, that's well known that there are so many treatment programs for food addiction. Well, I wouldn't say treatment programs. I would say 12-step programs. So 12 treatment, step programs. Programs, treatment programs, uh, because it's not acknowledged as a medical thing, mm. it's not funded. And so people who want to sh hang out their shingle and say, I'm a food coach or I'm a food counselor, um, I can't get OHIP funding. They can't get any kind of funding like that. And that's a real big time deterrent. Right. Um, so in the community, we have 12-step programs, and there was one, uh, OA, which started in the 1960s. AA started in, like, 1940. Mm -hmm. OA, Overeaters Anonymous, started okay. in the 1960s. Um, and then since then, so OA is sort of like, uh, it, it, you know, you, you admit that you're powerless over your eating behavior. Okay. Uh, some programs that say, yeah, that's true, but you know what? We need to add an extra piece to that. Here's a specific diet that you have to follow. And so you, you'll have something called Food Addicts Anonymous, Food addicts, uh, um, uh, wait, wait there's there's a, um, another one called Gray Sheet Anonymous. There's there's a number of them that have specific food plans with specific requirements. Like you got to call somebody every day. Here's an example, a day in the life of a food addict. Um, you you uh, figure out day before what you're going to eat the next day, write it all down, okay. call it into what we call, it could be a food coach or a sponsor where you say, okay, Alex, I'm going to eat for breakfast. I'm going to have four ounces of, uh, of uh, chicken or, or, or not cereal because that's, uh, that's a processed food. We're looking at unprocessed stuff, uh, yogurt or um, uh, berries. And for lunch, I'm going to have four ounces of chicken and I'm going to have a bunch of cauliflower. And then for dinner, I'm going to have four ounces of steak or or maybe some kind of a bean product uh, with wh whatever. And that's what I'm going to have. And you're going to say, yeah, that looks okay. Um, uh, and uh, have you checked that there's no sugar in this? And, you know, the, the, the food plans are usually basically unprocessed food. So you can't yeah. be doing uh, all sorts of fancy uh, Atkin bars and... and Lucky and, uh, Charms and Lucky, all yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. And that's... So, so you've got, like, structure... Um, uh, designating what are your trigger foods and then um, we usually uh, really strongly advocate that you have a social support mm. and the reason why that's so important is because if I go out there in the world we, we're social animals we absorb everything and and if I go out there in the world and say I don't want to eat sugar and I have 10 people which I will if I announce I usually don't say anything because I don't want the hassle but if I announce I don't want to have sugar here I'm at this party or wedding I'm going to have 10 people going well, why like what's why and so I need to have 10 people who are going to say good Vera you're good right for you yeah exactly like on your exactly. team on your side yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. to kind of buffer the social negligence about this addiction yeah for sure yeah wow I was gonna say I mean this, it's it's so interesting and I think you know I was speaking to someone recently um talking about uh sex addiction and it's interesting to me like we were right. talking about how there's like levels of like uh, you know, heroin, oh, that's like a really bad addiction, sex addiction, something you don't even talk about. And yeah. all the amazing people that I've chatted with over the last seven months, I've never spoken about food addiction. It's just not really a thing. So, and I think yeah. it's interesting that you just mentioned it, just it's not really recognized as like an no. illegitimate addiction. What do you think is sort of the solution to that? Like that there seems to me like some sort of a government action is needed or a medical community action to sort of label it as a legitimate thing. What do you think should be done? 
you know, we, uh, we've been talking like the 1960s always been around for that long and people in the community, um, there's been small pockets here and there that have worked in this field, but we haven't managed to hit the big time of the clinical clinics. And then, and then, you know, the big time of like the, you know, Oprah's who are talking about Weight Watchers, that was her deal. Weight Watchers does not, uh, it just says cut down your foods, but it doesn't say cut down specific triggering foods. Like it's not the same uh, uh, thing, but we've been very grateful because uh, of uh, in the last 10 years, this this food movement that has nothing to do with food addiction, but it's the same food plan, and that's the keto and the paleo. And keto and paleo, they define themselves as uh, really low carb or almost no carb. And so where are most of the addictive foods? In the carbs. So there they are pr uh, promoting a food addiction plan uh, without even calling it that. And so we've been kind of piggybacking on them. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I'm really grateful to them. And, and now that they've been around long enough, sure enough, they're starting to have failures. That's only because they, they don't realize that there's an addictive piece. And so you get those crazy little uh, tricks around, like I, I can make a cheesecake, keto cheesecake, whatever it right, is. Right, 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 right. You're a food addict, that's just going to trip you up, whether it's sugar or not. So we, we catch them and say, keep doing what you're doing. Just cut out the keto cheesecake and then you'll be okay. So I think that's what's going to make the difference. And we do have some people now writing about uh, obesity. And that's the other avenues we're getting in is saying, this isn't a treatment for obesity. So that's my hope for the future, that we're going to break into some of these areas and find our niche in there. Right. Okay. No, that that sounds good. You've also written a book called The Truth About Food Addiction. Um, yeah. Can you explain to our listeners sort of a little bit about what inspired you to actually like publish a book about this topic? Yeah. Okay. So the book is called uh, Food Junkies. Um, it, the, the, it, there's two editions. The first one was called Truth About Food Addiction, and then the second, uh, Recovery from Food Addiction. And I wrote the 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 sort of the, the first one uh, about six or seven years ago now, and it was really uh, to get the science of that time. Uh, it's been upgraded in the second one, and the clinical experience, which is not being written about. So I'm a doctor, and I have clinical experience. It's not being written about because it's not being acknowledged. And I thought we need to have um, uh, some actual like stories, some actual experience that people can see that, yeah, okay, so now I read the science, I read the story about how it works, what like uh, the definition, like I described the treatment, um, and uh, then people get it. And I, I've got to say that most of the people that have read that will put the book down and go, now I know what you're talking about. I actually, maybe I'm a food addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, it's like, it, it, it's not that bizarre when you actually break it down. And that's what the book does. For sure. No, I, I think that that's an excellent point that you make. And I think that that sort of goes for addiction in general, where yeah. I, I sort of sometimes think that people are scared of addiction, right? Because yeah. people are mis, you know, miseducated, uninformed, all that sort of stuff. And I feel like there's a chance, well, if you actually do a little bit of research, you can find some things that you might not want to know about yourself or your loved ones. Right, right. right? You so, know what? If we can do, which is exactly what you're doing with your podcast, if we can destigmatize this concept exactly. of addiction and, and make it something like, oh, geez, maybe this is something so that we're not going to hate the person that is, we see it in ourselves, like you said, uh, then we're going to get a lot further. And people will say, you, know, you, you don't want to call somebody who's an obese and out of you just giving them two more, uh, uh, you know, another stig stigmatic. I just say, well, stop stigmatizing it. Exactly. How, is it how is it any worse than being depressed? or anxious or, right. or attention deficit. It's, it's on the same level, except it's more devastating if we don't acknowledge it. 
Exactly. And and that's what I've been seeing is, you know, sort of what we were just chatting about before, the different levels of stigmatization and what's allowed and what's not allowed. And I feel like we're at a point where mental health is in a much better space. But um, obviously, unfortunately, addiction is not. Um, yeah, and, yeah, you know, like, like you see on Facebook, they have that mental health uh, day where you... Mental Health Awareness Day, yeah. yeah. We need something like that for addiction so that people can, you know, freely admit. And then... Then, then it's not in the dark anymore, and that, that's that's where it feeds and gets worse. Yeah, no, exactly. And interesting yeah. you say that. Last week was International Overdose Awareness Day, uh, and it's been happening every year for many, many years. And I never heard about it until Reed passed away, and I've now taken this up as you know a passion of mine. Um, but it just sort of goes to show I'm always online. I'm always on social media. No one in my circle ever posted about that day, but mm-hmm. my friends and you can make like uh, your stories and Facebook profiles about like mental health awareness day. And it just, it goes to show. And, and really that's the point of all of this is, yes. I don't want to say infiltrate, but infiltrate people like me who are just really yeah. not on the bandwagon. So they can sort of start seeing these words and it's not as like scary when you first see it, you know? Because in my generation, when I was your age, I'm sorry to say that, I'm starting to say that now all the time, <laughs> um, uh, the idea of mental health uh, was super stigmatic, like you right. just did not say that. And it's definitely different now, like, you know, you're on medication, you would never say that. And it's very different now. So I, uh, that would be a, a good thing. I mean, you know what I would love, because I think food addiction is on the same level as sugar, uh, pardon me, um, or sugar addiction is on the same level as like cigarettes. Mm. It's not a big thing, but it's very, it's got its teeth in people. It's hard right. to quit. Um, and and uh, and also it doesn't kill you right away. It kills you in 15 or 20 years. I, I would love to see this. This would be my uh, my wish list. Big thing is, is um, if like like now when people want to have a cigarette, they have to go outside and on, on the patio because uh, you don't want it in the house. Exactly. I would love to see people have to go out and take their dessert. Out of the patio. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. I was going to say now that that's such a good point. Um, okay, well, Dr. Tarman, I always ask the last question, um, and I get some really interesting, cool responses. Uh, what would be your words of wisdom to lead the audience with today? Um, well, uh, sugar addiction is real. If you struggle with uh, not being able to, uh, you, you, you don't want that next cookie or you don't want to finish the bag and you're, you don't hate yourself for it, if you're starting to gain weight and you're starting to hate yourself for it, it's not you. It is, it is the food industry that has done this. And it, like, you know, in my day, we used to say the personal is political. Take it out of the realm of your personal self-loathing and anger and make it political. Stop food. I don't overeat on Brussels sprouts, but I overeat on you, food, big food. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so, so take it out of the personal and make it political. Excellent. Well said, Dr. Tarma. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for asking. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. By tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health, we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support. You can find more episodes of Tapping Into the Human and resources about addiction and mental health by following the Albertus Project on social media at Albertus Project and at www.albertusproject.org. Thank you.